Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I hope you'd grab your Bibles and follow along with us and uh, get in here and get situated. Last week we forgot to hit the camera button and uh, all we had was video and a picture. So I know I'm nothing to look at, but we're going to have it on video this week. And so uh, glad you're here with us, those of you who are here this morning. And uh, if you or live anywhere in the vicinity of Queen City in Atlanta, we'd love to have you. Every Friday morning, bring your Bibles, your coffee, your pencil and paper. Come on out to the studio here behind Crossway Church. and We'll just dig into God's Word and have a great time. And that's every Friday morning at 9 a.m., Mondays and Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, I'm in my office broadcasting live. We're in the book of Romans right now, chapter 15. I looked this morning to see when we started uh, the book of Romans, and it was two years ago in, in 2018. So we've been verse by verse through that whole book. We're in chapter 15, got one more chapter to go, and I'm just excited about what I'm learning, and I hope others, and I know they are, learning uh, the truth of God's Word here in these last days, that very life that we need to endure each and every day. Uh, Robin and I are headed out in the morning to go to Greenwood, Mississippi. We'll be with Pastors Wayne and Debbie Voss Sunday morning there in Greenwood. And just uh, if you live anywhere near Greenwood, even if you live far away, well, remember, a church alive is worth the drive. And you will be hearing a gospel-centered message wherever I am ministering because it's all about Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. That is what makes a ministry gospel-centered. And so... Don't forget about the camp meeting, determined camp meeting in, in, uh, in Dublin, Georgia, October the 22nd through the 25th. Be a boatload of ministers there. You can meet and be one-on-one -on -one with if you like and hear the gospel preached. Uh, gets his, uh, Pastor Scotty Williams Church, Crossway Fellowships there in Dublin, Georgia. And Robin and I will also be going up to Lima, Ohio, uh, in January, and I'll be giving those dates. Well, it's January uh, the 16th. We'll be at the Hampton Inn there. Be giving you that address later right there in Lima, Ohio. We've got the conference room for a 10 a.m. meeting and a 5 p.m. meeting. So if you live anywhere in that area, make sure you get the word out. Uh, we're going to have two great time uh, times of meetings there that day. So I just look so forward to that. Hadn't seen all the good cross-eyed believers there in the Lima and surrounding areas of Sydney and Troy and, and other places there. So we look forward to being there and seeing all of you. And uh, I am open to travel and minister. I'm not going to get my schedule booked up, not going to pack it up. But uh, if you need me to come and uh, preach this glorious gospel, then I'd love to come and do that among your folks. I'm just not going to overload myself down. I'm, I'm a homebody. I like, to, I like to be at home, but I will go if requested sometimes. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, praise the Lord. And uh, let's dig in this morning. Let's ask the Lord to give us this daily bread that we desperately need in these trying and perilous times today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we can be here gathered together in your name with your word 
to learn, Lord, just how glorious your name is, just how precious you are to us. I pray that you would give us that daily bread that we need today to sustain us, Lord. Give us that light from your word that shows us the path and enable us by your grace to run this race that you've set before. Show us those wonderful truths that you've hidden in your word, not from us, but for us. And we thank you for the bread on the table today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is session 3 here on the second day of October 2020. And we will begin in verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Let me bring my Bible up here. So I can have that on this side and my good lesson on this side. Uh, You therefore, uh, Paul tells Timothy, uh, you therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we might have to say this morning that uh, something uh, that is uh, always necessary to say, and that is... If you're going to live the Christian life, if you're going to play an active uh, uh, part of being the body of Christ, there's going to be hardness that comes. I'm not talking about the hardness that everybody on, on the planet experiences. I'm talking about the hardness that comes from being a good soldier, from pressing in and fighting the good fight of faith and not allowing the things of the world and the things our flesh longs to run off after and the devil's lies and and just all the things out there that would hinder our witness unto the Lord and testimony to all that we know. Uh, you're going to have to fight to keep running that race. It doesn't just happen. It's not a tiptoe through the tulips of holiness. It's, it's a fight of faith. It's, a, it's an endurance that must be in our heart. And as long as we just simply keep looking to Calvary, then our minds won't grow weary and we won't faint. That's a promise that we have, that we're able to serve God in righteousness and holiness all the days of our lives without fear, that thing that will come and distract us and carry us away through the lust of our flesh or the avoidance of suffering. Suffering is a part of Christianity. If you don't want any part of that, then you're not going to make it because you're going to suffer, but you and I are called to be good soldiers that endure hardness. Hard times, hard situations, circumstances, you're not going to escape those, but you can go through those by faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary for you. We need to always remember that. And Timothy here is being told to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And it refers really, uh, when he says, you therefore, refers to the previous verse. That if Timothy will trust the Lord, to carry his work out, the work that the Lord has given Timothy to walk in, he will be able to endure the hardness that surely will come. And let's look back at verse 2, because when you see the word therefore, you have to look back every time and see why he's using that word therefore. And he says in verse 2, And the things that you have heard of me, not just anybody, Timothy, But the things you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit 
thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Not just anything, Timothy, but that which you've heard of me, Paul says. That which Paul was giving, he'd received of the Lord. And Paul gave that, and we'll see this even more so in our lesson today, uh, that if you will continue to be committed to share that which you have learned, and he's talking about concerning the gospel, that we commit that not to just anybody, but we commit that to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Did you get that? So folks who reject this message that Paul taught, and it's not just justification by faith, it's sanctification by faith alone. Folks that refuse that, no, we don't treat them ugly, no, we don't cut them off, but we're committed to teach those who are willing to learn this way. Many left Paul. Many left. Paul said, All those in Asia left him. Paul mentioned several times in his writings about this guy, those guys turned away from me. They went back into the world. They all left me. Folks are continually leaving Paul because justification by faith and sanctification by faith is something you will have to fight the good fight of faith the rest of your life to believe and not just to be able to endure hardness from the world and others but the, but the things that rise up within our own hearts when we're all alone, I don't need the world or the devil to be in a mess. I have, an, I have a brain. I have a mind that can have its own thoughts without the world and the devil. I can be in a mess all by myself. I, again, I don't need the devil or the world to mess me up. I am messed up without Jesus, without a, a conscious decision to look unto Him and to trust unto Him. Again, it does not just just work automatically. I must look unto Him, trust Him, hold fast to the words, the sound doctrine I've been taught. I must cling to that and never stop believing it. I don't need voices from other people. My mind has voices within its own, my own head and everybody knows what I'm talking about. And so there's, there's voices that come from you don't need people. You don't need the devil. You just have thoughts in your own mind that have to be carried, the Bible says, every thought being brought to the captivity of the obedience of Christ. We have to capture every thought and take it to the obedience of Christ. That obedience was unto death for us at Calvary. Or those thoughts will carry us right out of the faith. That's our flesh, walking after the flesh. It's our choice. And that's what it is. It's a choice. So... Unless we walk in the exact place Paul told Timothy to walk, we will not endure hardness as a good soldier, but will rather cower to the flesh and the opinions of others. Let me say something about the message of the cross. It is a daily conscious decision. I do not sit on my couch all day and say the cross, the cross, the cross, but in my daily activities and all that God has put before me to function in, to be a good steward of, whatever the avenue is, I'm called to be conscious that I'm a new creation in Him, the old Curtis. He didn't almost die and then just get revived. He was totally and completely put away. He died 
and now I'm a completely brand new, all things are new creature in Christ Jesus. I didn't, let me say it again, because a lot of people, they have really, really, really bad times in their lives and somebody invites them to church and, and they're way down and they're, they're almost dead, but they don't really die and get born again. They just get revived because they get some kind of good report from a doctor or from a spouse is coming back or, or I do have some money left so, or something. We get almost dead, but we don't die and we just revive based on outer experiences, you have got to die. You've got to completely put away your trust in everything other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified because trusting in Him and something else from the heart tells God that's really not enough. And a lot of people get close to being born again, but they never do die through faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. There's a lot, let me say it again. This is strong in my heart. There's a lot of people who get close to being born again, but you've got to die through faith in what Jesus did, identifying yourself with his death being your death and you being put away just like he was put away in the grave. Hallelujah. And there is where the born again experience takes place. Not bad circumstances that have me down so low and then I go to church, somebody gives me encouraging words and I leave feeling better about my situation. No, I must die to self and, ex and accept Jesus as my way of life. And I needed to say that this morning because there's a lot of folks setting up in the church who never really died. They never were born again. You have to die to yourself. And every day, this reality of Christianity is... Again, not sitting at home saying the words, the cross, the blood, and Jesus. It is in all your experiences, you are mindful of the Lord. Your trust stays upon the Lord and that you are ready in every situation to express the Lord. Yes, you have a flesh to tend with. You have a world that's evil. There is a devil and there are demons and there's all kind of negative things. But you, my Brothers and sisters, have the Spirit of God. You have the truth of God. Amen. We're not left to be confused and to be ignorant. We know that Jesus is the way, and the way is what He did at Calvary. And as long as we're looking there and making a conscious decision to trust that daily, then we will find the victory to keep running the race. Because all the people... Imagine... All the people that forsook Paul and turned away from Paul and left Paul and everywhere he went, there was nothing but negative, negative words spoken against him. Men following him to put down what he had just preached and taught that changed people's lives and saved them from their sins and brought them into the kingdom of God and men would come behind him. Paul, that's, that, that's the story of his life. And most Christians would turn away from Paul and this that he taught just to follow the works of the flesh, to go back under law or those that had never really been under law to go under law by the, by the words of the Judaizers, the lies of those that God had cut off. Mm, think about that. 
So he goes on to say here in verse 3, You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if Paul is telling Timothy to commit to faithful men this that he taught him so that others could teach this also, it's because the most of what was being... Let me say that again. The most of what was and is today is not that which Paul taught, at least in the way with the, with the mindset and Paul taught it, which was a focus on Calvary, a focus on Jesus and what he there did. There's always going to be more false prophets than there are true prophets. False pastors than there are true pastors. There's always going to be more false than there is true. Always. But when you find the truth coming forth out of a ministry, and that truth has to be that which is revealing righteousness in that, my friends, is the way of Christ in the cross. That's where God is attempting to plant you in the local church. I don't care what stories we make up about, well, God put me in that one to do this, and God, God plants His people where they can flourish. And if the message of the cross is not the preeminent message and all sermons attached to that, there is no flourishing. There is no flourishing outside of faith in that sacrifice of Christ. I hope you're hearing that today. I hope you're understanding that. It doesn't matter how many people are not preaching this. Let me say it again this morning. Most of what you will hear is false today. Even though it's the Word of God coming forth, it is true. There's no flaws in God's Word. But if we hold it in an unrighteous context... God's not going to honor that and there's not going to be any flourishing because God does not just do things anyway. I'm learning that. And, you, and, and, and the closer we get to the coming of the Lord for His church, uh, you're going to see more and more faults. You're going to see more and more uh, enmity coming against those that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the cross. I'm talking about all the scriptures in the light of Calvary. You're going to have a lot of things negatively said about those who are doing that, but it's only through the influence of Satan and the flesh to distract God's people from moving on forward in this great march of victory that He's called us to. Verse 4, he goes on to say, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who's chosen him to be a good soldier. Now here to me, it appears there's two avenues. One of either we could go and they're both going to be a choice based on what we do with our heart, where our heart is trusting, where our heart is believing. And if we want to please God, then we're going to have to stay away, keep ourselves from being entangled in the things of this life. It's not wrong to vote. It's not even wrong to uh, uh, get involved to some degree in political uh, situations because uh, especially today because our nation is at stake at being lost and sank into a sea of of unrighteousness and ungodliness. Uh, But nevertheless, we cannot be entangled in that. We cannot be tangled up in all that because if we are, the Bible here says that if we're going to war a good war, if we're going to 
fight the good fight of faith, if we're going to be found warring properly, it cannot be done entangled in the ways of the world. No matter what excuses we give, anything we're all tangled up in that is not allowing us to express Christ. And I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about the expression of Christ, the, the, the words you speak, the gospel you share, the, the, the behavior that you're living, not just a nice good person but they know why you're a nice good person because your words are there to declare why you do what you do, why you live how you live, who you're trusting. Being nice and being good and polite doesn't mean a person is saved. Amen, Brother Curtis. A lot of nice good people went to hell. We think the only people going to hell are drunkards and adulterers and, and they going. There's preachers ministered all their life. False things. They didn't make heaven, but they smiled and took milk to your baby and came to see you in the hospital. Those things don't mean someone makes it. No man, now get this now, I'm a Bible believer. I take the Bible literally. I hate that the, most of the church really doesn't take it literally. If they did, they'd be literally living it. Hey, that was good. <laughs> when you begin to take the Bible literally, you will literally be living the Bible because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 that our lives should be lives that are becoming the gospel. And the gospel is revealed in every word of the Bible. Every word of the Bible becomes good news to us if our faith is in what God did in Christ at the cross. No man, no man that wars, talking about running this race, fighting this good fight of faith, continuing to share the gospel. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why doesn't he? So that he may please him who's chosen him to be a good soldier. If you're born again, You've been chosen to be a good soldier. That's one of the reasons you were chosen to be a good soldier. This race we're running, this race that's been set before us, is a victorious race. It is a march of victory. Not marching for victory. Not running to get victory. But marching and running because we already have been made victorious. We are God's victorious army in these last days. And you're not going to be in, be able to be entangled in all these things in the world. And I've seen, I've seen all this ultra-patriotism in the church where man, folk are more concerned about their national rights than they are their Christian duties. Praise God for all that we have here in America. Folk will take what I say and they'll run with it and, and, and twist it all up. I'm used to it. Paul was used to it. Jesus was used to it. But listen, thank God for America and all the freedoms and liberties and all the Constitution and all the things that God has given this nation. Praise God for that. And when things start going, start going south the way we don't really think they ought to be going, we need to be praying and we need to be fasting and we need to be 
expressing Christ more. We need to be sharing the gospel more. We don't need to go out and begin to act in, 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 with vengeance that belongs to the Lord, returning evil to those who want to do evil to us. That's unchristian. That's unchristian. And getting entangled in the things that are going on in, to a degree that it, you lose your Christian character, you're not. No, no. Now you're soldier. You're being a soldier of the flesh. Rrr, guns and rrr, guns and rrr, it's flesh. Ours is to express Christ, and they say, "Well, you're just a pacifist." No, I'm a Bible believer. I'm a Bible believer. I'm told that if I'm going to be a good soldier and be pleasing to the one who's called me a good soldier, I'm not going to be able to be entangled in any of that. Doesn't mean I don't pray. And when people say, well, it's got to be more in prayer, we've got to go do something about it. No, you don't really even believe in prayer. I'm talking about going and doing something wrong about it. Not talking about go. We should be speaking to folks when we hear folks going the wrong way, but going and doing something wrong to take vengeance into all that stuff—that's you. You're leaving your status as a good soldier, and the Lord is not pleased with you when you do that. When you go get entangled and and become just bewildered in all these. Whatever it is. All these little groups on social media. Well, this little group believes you, you shouldn't be doing that. And this little group believes you, you should be doing this. And, and these are Christians in these groups. And the one thing they're not sharing is the one thing they're called and commanded by God to be sharing. Entangled in all the affairs of this life. And don't think for a moment that you're not going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it because no matter what we sow to, we're going to reap. Doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter how long we've been saved, spirit-filled, talking in tongues all day, every day. Whatever you're sowing to, you're going to reap. If you're sowing to the flesh, and you are, if you're entangled in all these things and it's not the gospel that you're sharing, just your thoughts, just your opinions. And you, you know there are those controversial people. They're just doubtful disputers. And everything that comes up, they're out to get us. And I'm against it. That, that's, that, that would be me entangling myself in everything. I know I, people get angry about these things, but the only people who get angry about them are the people who've left their position as a good soldier. They've left it. They're no longer living and walking with the full armor of God. They're, they're just back walking in the flesh. Oh, but they can justify it. Oh, they, no, you can't justify it before God. And this one verse right here should be convicting enough to send us back to Calvary and to give us that brand new hope today. Lord, I'm sorry for entangling myself in everything because everything I entangle myself in outside 
of being a good soldier for Jesus Christ is going to bring the fear, the dismay, and the lack, and the many hurts and pains of this world. Everything I entangle myself in in this world, I will begin to experience its pains, its bondages, its destruction, corruption, because I'm not called to walk in that. I'm called to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That means I'm in a an army that's victorious. I have a captain that's leading the army who's my the captain of my salvation. He'll never lead me wrong. But the world will lead me wrong every time because they don't know right. And a backslidden fleshly church obviously doesn't know right. Again, we need to pray. We need to vote. We need to be doing what we're called to do as Christians. But one of those main things is not being entangled in this world, but being the good soldier that we've been chosen to be so that we can be pleasing to our master. Is it more pleasing for us? Is it, is it, are we, do we desire to be pleasing more to a certain group of people or to our master? That's the question. No child of God that will enter into the call of uh, into the God called place of warring as the good soldier will be able to entangle himself with the affairs of this life. He must choose which one he will be entangled in, but both he will not be entangled in simultaneously. Today we will be entangled in the affairs of this world. Or we'll be entangled. What's the song? All tied up, tangled up, and all wrapped up in Jesus, something like that. Or we're wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in the affairs of this world. Everybody has situations, circumstances, illnesses, financial issues, relationship issues. But listen, the answer is for God to be being pleased. And when you see scriptures like this, that He may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. In verse 4, that he may please him, that we may please the Lord who's called us to be a good soldier. When you see anything in the Bible about God being pleased, that speaks of our faith in him because God cannot be pleased in any. Capacity. It is impossible to please God without faith. So to walk in the place of a good soldier requires that faith. That measure of faith you were given upon the born again experience. When you trusted in your heart, when you believed in your heart, with your heart under righteousness, and you were given that measure of faith so that you could actually walk in the place of a good soldier. Because God's not told you to be something without giving you that which you need to be that. He's called us, chosen us to be good soldiers. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us that measure of faith that we might not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but to remain sober-minded, which means... I'm warring as a good soldier. Mm. The context here of being a good soldier is clinging to the sound doctrine and focus of the cross that Paul taught. 
Timothy, remember that which I taught you. Cling to that. Hold fast to that. Commit yourself to that. And commit that teaching, that which you've heard of me, to other faithful men who are also able to teach this. And that was the focus of the cross of Christ. Verse 5, he goes on to say, And if a man also strive for masteries, and that word means competes in athletics, is really the, 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 the picture here, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. See, there is given to us here how to be the good soldier that we're called to be. And it's lawfully. It's through the avenue that God has given us. And there is a law in the new covenant that we live by. It's not the law of what we go and do. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in what He did, faith in what He did at Calvary. That's the Romans 8 too. For the law of the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is a new law in the new covenant. Not the law of what we have to go do, but the law of what Jesus did in which the spirit of life works and delivers us from sin and death, whether it was at the born again experience or it's if we've gotten off in the flesh, it's the same law by which God works and it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, speaking of faith in His death, that we might today be again not only delivered from the sin nature, from the flesh, but also at the same time empowered to be the good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you're going to, he says, strive for masteries. And he's, giving, he's, he's going to give three examples here. He's, he's going to give uh, an example of a diligent athlete. He's going to, he's going to give the, the example which he already has as a, a diligent soldier. And then he's going to give an example of a diligent farmer. But the word involved really in all three, the picture, is diligence. Diligence. Keep running the race. Keep planning and watering. And, you know, keep running. Uh, keep fighting the good fight of faith as the good soldier. So we'll see these as we go on through this. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. In other words, if he, if he cheats, if he doesn't do it the way the, the race has been regulated to be ran, he won't win. He'll be disqualified. And you and I are called to run this race of victory, to fight this good fight of faith. We're called to run this race. The race has a finish line. His name is Jesus. He is the beginning, the ending. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning of the race. He's the end of the race. If you're following Him, you will cross the finish line. But it takes faith in the cross to follow Him. He taught that in Luke 9, 23. If any man come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. 
Luke 14, 27, he says, if, if you don't take up your cross, if you don't bear your cross, you cannot be my disciple. That word means learner. You can no longer learn of me. No one is learning of the Lord whose faith is not in the cross of Christ. You might be learning where Scripture is. I did for years. You might be learning which Scriptures pertain to that situation and that circumstance. But if you're not seeing the Scripture in the light of the one who is the light and what he did at Calvary to become the light, then it won't work. Learning, Isaiah said that even though we, we preached it, taught it Wednesday night, Isaiah said that even though God's favor was shown, God's grace was shown them, they would not learn righteousness, therefore they could not behold the majesty of the Lord. Think about that. That's, that's, that's America. God's grace has been shed upon this nation, shown this nation, the glorious gospel preached all over this nation. But but Isaiah says they wouldn't learn righteousness. Those that aren't learning righteousness are learning. Yes, they're learning, learning, learning. And that's something else Paul told Timothy in the last days. They will ever be learning but not able to come to the truth The truth is what reveals the righteousness of God, Proverbs 12, 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. And the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Therefore, the truth and the gospel are synonymous. We say it like this, the gospel truth. The gospel truth truth, the truth of the gospel. We need to remember these things that we're hearing. Go back and listen to this again. You'll find what you need as you hear it again the second time. God will impart it with depth in your heart every time you hear it, every time you begin to trust in the scriptures and not just men and what they're preaching or other men and what they're not preaching. You need to trust in the word of God. You need to trust completely wholeheartedly in the word of God. Amen. So he says, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned unless he strives lawfully. If he doesn't strive, he doesn't run the race properly, he's not going to get the crown, even if it looks like he should, if he cheated. If he didn't do it the regulated way in which the race has to be ran, he won't get the prize. The NASB Version, I love it, says, Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. And that's the point here. If we go out and get entangled in the world, we're no longer running the race, and therefore we're going to find forfeiture of what we could have obtained. We're told that as the man competes for the prize, he must come lawfully according to the rules. Here we see again, this refers to teaching that which Paul taught as the striving lawfully. What Paul taught Timothy, the focus of the gospel, the message of the cross, is what allows us to strive lawfully. And for those of you who don't know it, let me say it again. There is a law that we live by under the new covenant. 
It's not the law of Moses. It's not the law of we do, we do, we do. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of that which Jesus carried out by the spirit and through our faith in that, the spirit of God works in our lives. There was a change of the priesthood Hebrews 7 says, and because there was a change of the priesthood, leaving that of the Aaronic priesthood, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, as the Lamb of God, becoming the new great high priest and only one. Hebrews 7 says, because there was a change of the priesthood, there was also the necessity of of the change of the law. Let's just go find it. We hadn't got anything better to do, have we? Hebrews 7, and let's see. I probably have this highlighted here. Yes, Hebrews 7 and 12. This is very good. This is very interesting. This is very important. For the priesthood, Hebrews 7 and verse 12, for the priesthood being changed, and again, it was only Aaron and only his sons, It was done away with because Jesus came and didn't offer animals. He offered himself Mm. once for all. Hallelujah. (laughs) That ought to make you smile, shout glory. Just once, the old Aaronic priesthood, it was year after year after year after year because the conscience couldn't be cleared from sin through the blood of animals. That Jesus comes along, he offers himself that pure spotless untainted blood of the lamb. He is the great high priest. The priesthood has changed and for the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So that priesthood and all that law was, was fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So there's a new law. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And most Christians hadn't even heard about this. I've seen it written by scholars even uh, from years past. I do a lot of reading and, and they mention the law of the spirit of life, but they don't relate it to sanctification. They don't relate it to there is a law which within the perimeters of that law will the Holy Spirit exclusively work. And because the church has not known this, they've been held in bondage to psychological, magical mysticism for centuries. I'm talking about the majority of that which is truly saved by the blood of the Lamb. But if you don't know that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus delivers you, from the law of sin and death, then you will constantly sit under and believe that it's based on what you do that God will deliver. Yes, he saved you by the blood, but for me to be able to run the race and fight the good fight of faith, I've got to go do all these things. No, all the things we're called to do is the result of us being in the sanctification process if our faith is in the cross because there's where the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life is found at work in my life only when my faith 
is in the work of Jesus at Calvary. The Bible says that righteousness comes to us by the faith of the Son of God, Romans 3. And Peter wrote that the faith we have comes through the righteousness of Christ. Everything we have belongs to Jesus. The measure of faith we have was measured out of His faith. The righteousness that we are is only in Him because He's righteous. We have nothing. Listen, folks, we don't even, we can't even humble ourselves. God won't recognize our humility unless it's faith in the cross which allows it to be the humility of Christ. God considers us obedient because we trusted in Christ's obedience unto death. God will consider you humble, not because you cry, get on the floor and wallow around and don't eat for three days. God will require, not require, He will recognize your humility as biblical humility when He sees you broken, trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary, crying out for His way. Everything we have is of Christ. Our humility our faith, our obedience, the grace of God by which He tasted death by, we have nothing that was generated just in and of ourselves, not one thing. We can't do anything without Jesus. We have nothing that doesn't belong to Him. That's good stuff. I don't have anything to offer Him except a broken heart and a willing mind. That's it. And even that has to be God working in me both to will, to change my will, and to do of His good pleasure. I'm not just going to decide to serve God today without Him stirring me and causing me to look to Calvary where I can find where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life will work in my life for me to be able to live for Him. Somebody said amen. We're told, and I probably read some of this, but I don't want to miss any of it. I didn't study it, just write it down. And We're told that as the man competes for the prize, he must complete lawfully according to the rules. Here we see again, this refers to teaching that which Paul taught as the striving lawfully. Our striving The Bible says, Paul writes to the church in Philippi that if we're going to strive lawfully, this is good. You see me smiling, don't you? (laughs) That we're going to, our striving has to be that a striving together for the faith of the gospel so that our lives can be becoming the gospel, the fruit of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. It's more than going to church. Many go to church, don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Many go to church and won't hear what I'm talking about. Many go to church and won't hear anything, but messages now based and focused on the political realm that will eliminate you. Oh, I know they'll justify it, but it's only with men's wisdom they justify it. Think about that. If we're not hearing the gospel, our lives cannot be becoming the gospel. And our striving together will not be for the faith of the gospel. Our striving together will be against each other. 
Because the gospel of peace is the only thing that give us the, gives us the proper bond to be in unity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For our striving is of God if we are striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is the only lawful way to run the race. The only lawful way to run the race is to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. Powerful stuff. So in verse 6, he says here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, he says, The husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. The diligent farmer wins the first fruit. The diligent farmer gets the first fruits. The one who's legally running the race, lawfully running the race, gets the prize. Amen? A diligent athlete wins the victory. A diligent farmer wins the first share of the crops. And a diligent soldier gains the approval of his commanding officer. I was a Marine. When we were in boot camp in the Marines, this is a hundred years ago, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it was 1980, so how long ago was that? A long time. When we put the 35-pound pack on our backs and we set out for miles and miles, fatigues and boots, 35-pound pa- uh, pound pack, on my back, a 115-pound kid carrying an M16. Somebody said, man, did you ever cry? I said, man, I was too scared to cry. <laughs> but we always had an officer leading the pack. They didn't ask us to go out and do what they weren't leading us and showing us how it's done. It's the picture. Jesus went before us. Jesus overcame for us. Jesus is the captain of our salvation and He became that, the Bible says, through suffering. And later on in this chapter, Paul will tell Timothy, if you suffer with Him, you will reign with Him. Suffering is a part of Christianity that we far too long run from. No, we don't like to suffer. But Christianity brings suffering with it if you're going to live the Christian life, if you're going to run the race, if you're going to uh, be here as, 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 as the, 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 the husbandman, the farmer that labors, if you're going to partake of the first fruits, if, if you're going to be diligent in, in, in walking with Christ and persevering, patient and persevering, you're going to suffer. You're going to be made fun of. Suffering has so many levels. Just being laughed at, criticized, mocked, or down to the very being stoned or thrown into prisons. You can read about all of that. Read Hebrews 11. If you ever get past the, the little uh, stories about where he, uh, those that live by faith, that you really want to be like Bill the Ark and all these things. What about the part where they had to live in caves, destitute and naked because of the same faith. There's going to be suffering. 
It comes with Christianity in this world of suffering. Everyone is going to suffer in this life, no matter what. If they've got millions of dollars, it makes no difference. And that's what they're living for. They're suffering inwardly. This life is suffering. So I'd rather suffer with Christ so that I can reign with Him than just suffer for nothing. I'd rather suffer for righteousness' sake that it might be found pleasing unto the Lord and rewarded by the Lord than just be suffering because you're going to suffer in this world. You're not going to escape suffering. But our suffering is that for righteousness' sake. And I fear for too long the church has just equated its suffering with just being in a a world of suffering. But our suffering we're called unto should be suffering for enduring as a good soldier. Suffering for righteousness' sake. Suffering for the name of the Lord's sake. Like the disciples after they were beaten and whipped, they rejoiced and counted themselves worthy for that suffering for the name of Christ. How powerful is that? The husbandman that labors must be first partaker of his fruits. And this is just, again, another example outside that of the good soldier given here. And then Paul says this in verse 7, Consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. The Lord wants us to not just have understanding in a few areas, he wants us to be a, he wants to impart to us understanding in all things. And I've always loved Proverbs 9 and 10 that tells us that understanding is the knowledge of the holy. That's powerful to me because we know the only avenue to the one who is holy and to bear the fruit of his holiness is through faith in Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. There is no other avenue to be holy before God and to bear forth the fruits of holiness outside of the cross. There is none. Just good works do not mean that it's holiness. The world can be good to get what it wants. The world can act good to get what it wants. But the goodness the Lord is looking for is His goodness. The righteousness He's looking for is that which Christ afforded us through His death. The faith that pleases God is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. Is that the faith you're living by? If it is, you're living If that's not the object of your faith, Christ and what He did at Calvary... It can be today because every day is a new day. God's mercies are new and tender today and you can start all over with Him today, running the race, fighting the good fight of faith as the good soldier, being patient as the farmer, continuing to sow. Now I'm going to read one more verse. We're about out of time. Verse 8, let me read verse 7 and then we'll roll right into verse 8. Consider what I say, Timothy, and the Lord give you understanding in all things. 
Remember that Jesus Christ is the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now, why does Paul the apostle all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, bring that in? Because Jesus was the seed of David, but he wasn't born to David in David's life. It was God being patient. God fighting for His people through the ages. God planting and watering among His people through the ages. Until there came a day when Jesus, the Son of God, was conceived of a virgin. That seed of David finally showed up. God being a patient farmer waiting on that which He'd planted. Coming to be seen. God fighting, let me say it again, fighting among His people, for His people, for years and years. God could have thrown in the towel every day. Not every once in a while, but every day God could throw the towel in on us. But God knew that that son He'd promised, that son He'd given, that lamb He had offered before the foundation of the world would one day come where he would appear. Think about that. That's powerful, isn't it? Paul here was in the attempt to show the diligence and patience of our faithful Lord. Jesus was the seed of David. And although he came out of the loins of David, he did not appear during the life of David. The Lord himself is described to us as a man of war and the captain of our salvation. Exodus 15, 1 through 3. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God. And I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord's not asking you to fight any fight that he hadn't already fought and won. Glory to God. Now watch this one more. Hebrews 2 and 10. He's not only a man of war, but he's the captain of our salvation. Hebrews 2 and 10, for it became him, Jesus, for whom are all things, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons, and we can say daughters as well, unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through suffering. These scriptures show us that Jesus is a man of war. And he is the captain of our salvation. He's the leader of this army that he has. And he says in his army, there's good soldiers in his army. And there are those who are coming back to the cross, learning to no longer entangle themselves entangle themselves in the affairs of this world, but to walk as the good soldiers, to endure hardness so that we can be found in our experience 
pleasing to the one who's called us to be this, these good soldiers. Hallelujah. Good news. Good news to the humble. Hallelujah. It's been a great broadcast today. I encourage you to tune in if you can't be here every Friday morning at 9 a.m. And we're just going to continue this great study next Friday morning. Looking forward to it. Don't forget to pray for us. So into the ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can type the word give to the number on your smartphone, 903 903- 231-5950. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you next time.